Welcome to The Shallow End, a sports card podcast experience on a budget. I am your host, Dave Schwartz, and however you're tuning in, thank you. I want to get right to today's guest because if you're a collector, you're going to love hearing about his journey. If you fancy yourself more of an investor, that's all right too. You might not be able to relate, but there's room for everyone on this ship. Today, we welcome in Derek. You might know him on Instagram as ING Select, but today we care more about his other IG handle, Ray Langford Collection. Who is Ray Langford? We'll let Derek handle those introductions. As for Derek, He's a longtime collector, he's a dealer, and while he's not afraid to swim in the deep end, today he's here to talk about the most passionate part of his PC. It might not be what you expect. So let's get right to it. Let's welcome in Derek, the Ray Langford Collector. All right, so today we are welcoming Derek, who is ING Select on Instagram, but also Ray Langford Collection on Instagram. And we're going to get to Ray Langford in just a little bit, who he is, why he means so much. But first, Derek, thank you for joining us today. Dave, I'm happy to be here. Uh, longtime listener, first time guest. So really happy and honored to join you. Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm looking forward to talking about Cardinals and Langford. But first, for those of you who are maybe a little bit less familiar with your collection and your background, why don't you just Kind of tell us who you are. Sure. Derek, uh, Missouri born and raised, uh, north of St. Louis. Um, been in sports cards, uh, I'll date myself, but you know, since the mid 80s, really. I know a lot of people, they get on the conversations like this and they say, I've been in and out and in and out. I've always been there. Uh, I've bought cards every year, you know, since probably 85 or so. Um, been a Cardinals fan lifelong and big collector started selling cards a little you know as a kid at garage sales and, and neighborhood you know friends and trading like a lot of people did and then really in the late 90s started doing it online got into not only ebay but then yahoo auctions was a big thing that that i got into some people today don't even know that existed and then you know i've bought and sold at shows um been a dealer at shows really on and off for years and years. There's been a couple of years, you know, COVID years, other years where I've been maybe not setting up as often, but the last three or four years in St. Louis area, I set up a couple of times a month as I'm able to and somewhere in the Midwest, but big collector, big Ray Langford collector, big 90s junkie, insert cards, Griffey, you know, more recently, Bryce Harper and Pujols guys, you know, Ray Langford's my biggest, like, most in-depth PC. So I had to start the Ray Linkford collection and then ING on ING Select on Instagram. That's just more my dealer page, my trading page, my showcasing the random, you know, 90s inserts or love to grade. I've been doing PSA grading for 25 years myself uh, since 98, started doing it with my dad and filling out the Scantron forms. I'll talk all day if you let me, Dave, but that that's just a general uh, introduction for me, lifelong collector, Ray Linkford super collector and just, you know, casual low key dealer here in the Midwest. Good. So I want to save Ray Langford for a little bit later, because I think that's going to be the meat of our conversation. Sure. Sure. 
want to get back to the dealing a little bit. So you've been doing that for a while. How have you sort of blazed your path with doing that and traversed all the different the different eras and and COVID and up markets and down markets? And what's that been like for you? You know, it's it's always really more similar than I think people think. It's it's always trying to have cards on hand that somebody might want to buy or trade for. I'm a big believer in trading, big believer in trying to give people fair deals at fair prices. Always buying and trading. Uh, in, in the 90s, of course, a lot of people talk about it. You lived and died by Beckett Magazine. Um, comps became a thing on eBay in the late 90s, early 2000s. But there was people talk about shill bidding today. I mean, you could have built a house on some of the shill bids you would see in the 90s, brick by brick, bid by bid. But, uh, you know, it started transitioning in the 05 to 07, 08 range where you were more consistently looking at at comps online and Beckett stopped being so much of a thing. But the consistency is a, of a dealer is to just kind of have things around that that you like, but that you think other people might like. I'm primarily in the Midwest. I venture out to Nashville a little, uh, but mostly like Missouri, Illinois shows, which there's so many great shows and there always have been. You know, I lived in Florida for a few years. And so during the off season, I'd set up on the East Coast of Florida at shows. And so I'm familiar with how key it is to be regional. I did venture down to Alabama a couple of years ago, and I was like a fish out of water because I'm mostly hardcore baseball with a touch of basketball and a random football card here and there and random hockey here and there. But when I was in Alabama, it was just so regional, heavy football and a little Braves and then not much else baseball, a little, but not much else baseball there that people were looking for. But you know what? I've, I've always known how key it is as a dealer to have good things for the region that you're in, but also the the rare and the scarce items. And, um, you know, people have always tried to buy things that they like that have a meaning to them or something that's kind of more hot or, or recent from a prospect perspective or or whoever's taking off. I mean, I could talk about eras I've seen. A lot of people saw Otani going off last year in baseball and they saw how his market really amplified. You know, it reminded me of a much lesser version of what guys like you and I saw back in 1998 when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going off their, their sports card market. It was insane. Uh, it amplified much quicker and it went from a lot lower to a lot higher than anything people have seen with, with guys like you saw with Otani this year, or if you're a basketball fan, like Luka Doncic a couple years ago, but you know, I've seen different markets change and, and I've seen sort of what the hype train looks like. And, uh, Try to not get into it or feed into it too much. Try to stay consistent with it. But when you see stuff happen, happen like like McGuire Sosa from 25 years ago, like Otani, um, like the swings you've seen with Bryce Harper, who's a guy I like to collect. You know, it's it's fun to have things out because that's what people are looking for, right? So, um, but the consistency in the dealing is really the great approach if you're setting up at shows just to have things, especially if you're a regular dealer that people know you may have come by, check it out. You couldn't promote them back in the day. Now you can say, I'm going to have these 300 cards with me, come check it out. And, and, you know, you can entice people to come out that way. So you talked a little bit about the importance of the region and regionality yep. in, in sports cards, justifiably the East coast and the Northeast has a pretty strong presence yes. about the Philly show, all the shows in different parts of New York and Connecticut and Massachusetts. Maybe for those who are less familiar, why don't you talk a little bit about the region of St. Louis where, you know, a lot of your collecting takes place and a lot of your dealing takes place. 
and sort of what it's like to be a collector of St. Louis athletes and a dealer in the St. Louis market. Yeah, absolutely. St. Louis is a very advantageous place to live. I, I know you and Iowa don't see a ton of card shows in, in your region. St. Louis, we do see pretty frequent card shows. Um, we've, we've got a monthly one at a place called Orlando Gardens. That's sort of the STL show to go to each month. And then there's a semi-regular one at uh, Machinist Hall. There's a, a three-day show in the spring. There's a three-day show in the fall. So that's just St. Louis. But if you venture out just like an hour to two hours around St. Louis, you know, there's a plethora of shows. Um, the guy who owns the Columbia Card, sh card Shop, which is uh, Columbia, Missouri dugout, he has like a quarterly show in Columbia, Missouri, great college town. Um, then you've got Jefferson City, a regular like three or four time a year show. Effingham, Illinois has got a great show. Um, there's, there's just Taylorville, Illinois. There's, there's a lot of shows. And then if you want to venture to Springfield, Missouri, Springfield, Illinois, you could draw like a three or four hour, you know, circle around Missouri and Nashville's not far as I've said before. And, uh, there's just so many shows you can get to. And depending on how West you get into Missouri, it gets heavier into the chiefs market. Now, Patrick Mahomes, of course, is, is iconic. And I guess Taylor Swift is the biggest chiefs notable player or, or affiliate right now. So, you know, there's a lot of hype between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey everywhere. But when you're looking at, at Missouri as a whole, it's, it was a Rams area a few years ago. It's still a football area, but the Rams, I know it's been a little bit, it's been like 10 years, but we still feel a little burnt from it. So there's, there's collectors that are collecting a lot of the St. Louis Rams area stuff, but there's, the Rams left us a little bit here in this area, kind of vacant for football. Quarterbacks are still a thing like they are in, in St. Louis and everywhere, but the Chiefs market really heats up around Columbia and into the West. Um, Cardinals are big, though. If you're if you're not from St. Louis, I mean, you and you're a baseball fan, even casually, you know the Cardinals are big. And every year, the Cardinals prospects, the young rookies, and then, you know, there's a consistent group of people that buy vintage cardinals whether it's mutual gibson lou brock then i hate to say ozzy smith's vintage but i guess he is now um and, and then there's other cardinals you know i posted some cards on instagram today had a fedex order that was lost for like two weeks it finally showed up today and the, the first card somebody you know sent me a message about was a, a sotaguchi card you know world series memorable player etc so it's just funny how people like that, you know, they definitely hold true in Cardinals fans' hearts. And then the last couple of years, Albert Pujols, of course, has been massive as, as a dealer, especially over the last two years. And then especially just last year, that was the guy in St. Louis that everyone wanted to get. It started when he announced he was coming back to St. Louis. And then once he started heating up after the All-Star break, in this area especially, it was – it was really hot. I mean, people wanted to get their hands on on any pools card they could get. We've we've seen a dip in his numbers this year um, after the retirement and everything. But watching that 700 home run chase was really big for this area. You you mentioned the sort of the bitter taste with the Rams leaving. There, oh, yeah. th that was the case too when when Pujols left originally when he left for gosh the hits were coming there. Yeah, and his return. You know, we could talk about the fan aspect if you want, but his return from a card aspect, his return to St. Louis, like you said, the chase for 700, that home run contest when he was winded, you know, yes. you get to see the age. 
yes, allegedly 41 or 42, whatever he was. <laughs> um, that just had to be just a wonderful development for, for dealers like yourself to have the legend come back and not just come back, but mount this fairy tale chase for for this legendary status that he now holds. My goodness, you're, you're so right on that, Dave. Uh, when he first announced he was coming back, his market was hot and I was very fortunate. I, I had been a Pujols collector and dealer and, and I grabbed a few of his cards over those years, 2019, 2020, 2021, cards that I held on to for a few years. And honestly, Dave, I was on a business trip in, in the fall of 2019 and I was in LA and I went out to see Pujols play. And as a lifelong Cardinals fan and a, and a Pujols collector, you know, from 2001 to 2011, I had not forgiven him until I saw him play. And when I saw him play and I, he was walking around before the game, I saw that number five and it was red. And it was like, I've been too hard on him these, these last eight years. And it was tough on me. So I started buying his cards again in 2019, 2020 and on. So I had a lot accumulated, but I forgave him. And I think over time, others had started to as his career was winding down. Then we we thought he was going to maybe come back when the Angels released him, which was such a shock. And then he went to the Dodgers. So we kind of followed him into the playoffs and people were excited. But the moment he announced he was coming to St. Louis, his card market just really took off again and the collectability of a, an era of card collectors that were maybe 20 to 25 who had seen him a little as a kid, but you didn't really remember until you started looking back how special he was. Things just went crazy. And then it, it dipped a little because his first half last year, it, it wasn't the year or the start, especially that people were looking for. It was just more like, He's, he's here and it's nice to see him, but you mentioned it, the home run derby, that piqued the interest again. And then he really took off and his cards, as far as number of sales and value, it, it really took off with him and up into the playoffs. And unfortunately in 2022, they didn't have the ending they were looking for in the playoffs. The Phillies took him out early. And then the moment the season ended, of course, his, his numbers, his card sales went down just a little bit, but it's a good time to pick up. I don't know if you can see it. It's a good time to pick up cards like, like that. Yeah. Why don't you just, for, uh, for those who are only listening instead of watching, why don't you share which card that is? So this is the 2001 uh, Bowman Chrome Pujols autograph rookie out of 500. So these were going, you know, bananas last year when he, uh, when he was playing still and towards the end of the year. And then it was a good time I felt like to pick pick one up here in 2023 when the market had softened a little on them but such an iconic card as far as collectability it's really the first bowman chrome auto rookie it's what started the craze and now you know for over 20 years and that was 2001 that's kind of been it's the card you look for now they they had the lawsuits and the congressional hearings and stuff in the mid-2000s which some people know about or if not google it but they had to take the word rookie card off them and you know People thought that would just kill the Bowman Chrome, and it, they just put first Bowman on it, and it kept going and took off forever. But yeah, there's that uh, famous Alex Gordon card, right, where he's he's cut out. And yes, he is blank white. 
silhouette of Alex Gordon on the card. That's right. He was like the poster boy for that era of, of taking the rookie card off and turn it into first Bowman. And, and your and your Bowman, that rookie that you just showed, that that's a really nice auto on that. And and the problem with yeah. those is sometimes they fade they on do. that one, but that's a nice one. I don't bring them out of the save very often. Um, I've got a couple, fortunately. I'm very blessed. And both are pretty solid. I know for viewers not watching, and I don't have the best lighting, but there, there's one. There's oh, two. Yeah. They're, they're pretty solid autographs. Um, I think I've got one or two of them on my Instagram page on the ING Select account. But, yeah, the autos are really faded. A lot set out in card shows. They were streaky, some of them, from the beginning. Um, but it's rare to see a pretty solid auto, and I'm, I feel very blessed to have a couple that, that are really nice. It really speaks to the, the power of the just the historical hold the Cardinals have over the region yes. that St. Louis over the last – several decades has lost not one but two nfl teams they lost mm -hmm. the cardinals to arizona the rams well came here from la and went back to la and the nfl by far is the most popular sport in the u.s and yet st louis loses two franchises and while some people are bitter others are like meh you know <laughs> we'll sue stan Kroenke. you know we'll we'll win that We've got hockey. We've got a Stanley Cup finally. We've got the new soccer team, which is really popular. Yes. But there's the Cardinals. And there are players on the Cardinals, if you're from the region, who maybe are not Hall of Famers, right? So there's Ozzie Smith, um, who, who everyone knows. You just People just assume that if you grew up in St. Louis in the 80s, you loved Ozzie, and you did. Yes. But for people like me, it was Willie McGee was the guy, right? You yes. just, there was something special about Willie McGee. And, and you mentioned So Taguchi before. Um, last this past year, I started collecting 2002 uh, Topps Chrome Gold Refractors because they're somewhat affordable, and I love the look of that set. And the first one I got was So Taguchi because I saw it; it was two or three dollars, you know, plus some shipping. But those types of players, the ones who don't necessarily make the hall the way Musial did, and Ozzy Smith did, and Lee Smith and Bruce Suter, and eventually Pujols will, they always seem to have a home here. Oh my and God one of those players is Ray Langford. And in addition to your, your sort of your work account, the ING select account, you also have the Ray Langford collection. Yes. So people I've had on this show before, they've collected players like Wilt Chamberlain and Mickey Mantle, players who I don't really have to introduce. Right. I'd like to hand the reins off to you. And for those who don't know, we're going to let Derek explain <laughs> who Ray Langford is. I will probably sell him short, but I will try. Uh, Ray Langford, for us Cardinal fans, and Dave, you were talking about how popular Cardinals baseball is, and it's it's been a great run. If you've been a Cardinals fan for really any short of time, you've seen some great players, you've seen great World Series, uh, World Series teams. But you know, Ray Langford, when I was growing up, he kind of took the reins from guys like Ozzy and, and Willie McGee that you talked about. And through somewhat of a down period, um, Ray Lankford was the guy in St. Louis. If you're a little younger than me or if you're a little older even, you might not really know much about him. But Ray Lankford, he, he debuted for the Cardinals late in 1990. And then he finished third in Rookie of the Year voting, which is still up for debate in 91. I think he could have maybe been maybe he could have been second, but that's a story for another day. And then Ray went on to be a great player for the Cardinals. He was kind of before, you know, nowadays everybody talks about war a lot. That wasn't a thing back then, but, you know, 
Baseball Reference has gone back and they filled it in. And Ray was ahead of the time with things like OPS, on-base percentage in general. And as far as analytics, he was really ahead of what a lot of people knew about. If you compare him to other players like even Sammy Sosa, even a few years of Griffey, believe it or not, if you compare three or four of the same seasons, there's some almost comparable numbers to Griffey even for a few years. Now, not a career, but Ray ended up with about 38 war. He was a cool guy. He had the highest war for the Cardinals from 90 to 99. So I started the hashtag about a year ago, hashtag best Cardinals player of the 90s. So it's when you're factoring in war and you're a modern guy, you know that he was the best for the 90s. Uh, he led the Cardinals for the decade in home runs and stolen bases. He's the best defensive center fielder to never win a gold glove. And if you look at the analytics and defensive war, he should have. He should have won a couple, um, but he didn't. That's okay. Um, he wore a backwards hat, and you can see it in, in some of his cards, which is really cool. He was in a Nelly video, and if you're from St. Louis, Nelly, especially for a good span of time, was everything. Um, and if you're not from St. Louis and maybe you don't know the type of music, I don't mean Nelly like Grandma Nelly. There was a Nelly, you know, a, a rap music sensation in St. Louis. So he was in a Nelly music video, Friends with Nelly. Um, he was cool. He played really well. Uh, and then the thing that comes down to is that I had a couple personal experiences with him when I was young, met him at the 91 Cardinals caravan up in Hannibal, Missouri. He was nice. A couple years later, met him right after the uh, strike was over, got to go to spring training that year, uh, was a kid, got his autograph, walked across the street with him. And, you know, you mentioned Brian Jordan to me offline earlier, him and Brian Jordan were walking from the hotel to the ballpark, got both of their autographs. That was super memorable. And he went to the Cardinals Hall of Fame a few years ago. Um, I didn't want to miss that because I, you know, grown up loving him so much. I went to the Cardinals Hall of Fame celebration and heard his speech, walked outside, and my daughter had taken a card. My daughter's Aurora. She'd taken a set from Pacific Aurora, and she'd taken my card and said, I'm going to get his autograph. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't get a lot of autographs now. When I was her age, I did. When I was a kid, I loved getting them. And I was thinking, she's never going to get his autograph. Well, of course, he comes walking right out, and she's probably the only kid that got his autograph that day. So that was, that was great. Um, started collecting his cards in the early 90s. I love the era of cards, especially from like 90 to, uh, I'd say up to 2012, but the best cards, you know, were really made when the refractor era started in 93 up until early 2000s when you factor in, you know, the, the inserts, the parallels where it started, the serial numbered stuff really where it started. And Ray is in all those sets, you know, people, people think of Griffey and he is the king of that era and he's the king of those sets. To have the type of collection I've got with Ray Langford, I'd probably need a couple million dollars if I was going to have one of, of King Griffey Jr. But, you know, Griffey was in Seattle and then Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati and um, Griffey was there. I respected him. Everyone did. Ray was kind of the poor man's Griffey, the National League Griffey and the regional Griffey for us. And then a couple other things I liked about him. I started collecting his cards in the early 90s. Um, but I couldn't really obtain the expensive cards. I'd go to shows and I would try to sell my, you know, Donneris, Frank Thomas, rookie, you know, I'd sell cards for a buck or two here or there, Sammy Sosa rookies in the early 90s. And I could never get like that 15 to $25 together. 
after paying my table fee to buy like the railing for 93 finest refractor. And I, I just always wanted it. And I never got one until the early 2000s. And, and then I just kind of went from there. I had all the cards. I still have my childhood collection of Langford that I started when I was, you know, 10 years old, but I didn't have a lot of those rare ones. So I started picking them up progressively, slowly over the years. I can show you an, an, an invoice. I bought it from Dave and Adams and like, I think 2012 or 2013, I, fi I finally got my first Ray Langford PSAA Desert Shield. And I paid like 15 bucks for it. And to get free shipping, I needed to send 10 more spend 10 more dollars. So I bought like a Kobe Bryant 96 Flare Ultra rookie, PSA uh -huh. 10. And I, and, and I paid 15 bucks for it, just gets free shipping. So I got I paid like 30 bucks for the two. Um, I sold the Kobe like a year later at a show at like my booth for like 25 or 30 bucks and I you know doubled my money on it and a couple years ago at the peak of basketball market I think that same Kobe Bryant was something for like fifteen hundred dollars but I still have the Ray Langford man so <laughs> you have the more sentimental card for I sure. do I do yes. so Ray Langford was if you played early fantasy if you played micro league baseball or or yes. some video game he was the guy who you would draft if you couldn't get Barry Bonds. Yes. Right? He finished with nearly 250 career homers, 250 plus stolen bases. He had this really unique blend of power and speed and terrific defense yes, as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the 1993 refractor, that first ever you know refractor set, and he he's in that. Yes. What are some of his better cards now? It, it's you know the 90s are hot. They're hot in basketball. They're hot in baseball. And so it's really kind of, I don't want to say fortunate because it just, that implies that there's luck, but it just happens to be when, when you were growing up and collecting as well. Um, what would, for somebody looking in from the outside, what would you say are some of Ray Langford's best cards? It's good timing for you on that, Dave, because I kind of decided by default to, to kind of figure that out over the last couple of weeks, because I mentioned FedEx had lost like one of my PSA orders so I didn't have enough inventory. I'd sold a little heavy the last couple of shows to really fill up a couple of cases at the most recent St. Louis show. So I thought, you know, people are always asking me about my Ray Langford cards. So I kind of pulled out like the top 20 or so and I put them on display. And it was amazing to see the reaction people had to viewing them. And of course, none of them are for sale and they're not going to be for sale. But I kind of pulled out some of those rare sets that you're talking about just to let people see them in person. And I was amazed how many even longtime collectors had never seen some of them in person. Um, some of the key ones are like uh, 98 Precious Metal Gems, the PMGs people talk about across all sports. Number to 50. Uh, I don't think it'll come across good on my camera, but, you know, I've got one there. The Ray Langford one is outstanding because it's got the arch in the background. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one that as far as, you know, and, and you can get on, you know, Instagram, not to plug it, but you can get on Railing for Collection and see pictures of the majority of them. Oh, plug all you want. Oh, yeah. Railing for Collection. Um, so that's that's kind of where it starts. And then it goes from there. He's in a lot of the key ones. Um, 97, 98 and 99 essentials credentials are, are really popular. I have accumulated some multiple copies of the 97 essential credentials. That's the one where, you know, it's a lot of people like it. The Griffey one's hot. There's 
there's other sets and other sports for it as well. But 97 credential essential credentials is number to 99. Um, I posted in not too long ago. I got the jersey number and a PSA nine. So it's Ray was 16 for the majority of his career. So I'm number 16 out of 99. I was just so pumped to get that. Um, Star Rubies is is really an one that a lot of people don't talk about for baseball. You'll see it for for basketball a lot. But he's in the 99 Skybox Premium with the Star Rubies. That's another one that's numbered to 50. Um, so rare to see any player in, in person. And Ray's image in it is, is just outstanding. Um, we talked a little about essential credentials. Of course, those are you got the, the now and the future in 98 and, and in 99. For some reason, I don't have the 98, um, neither one of them, but I have multiple copies of both the now and future of the 99. It's just worked out that way. So that's the weird numbering. If you look at the 99 essential credentials, there's a now that's numbered 46 for Langford. It's different for all players. And then number to 75 for the future. So those are key ones. Um, Donner's Crusade. I finally got a purple last weekend. And said that was just recently. Yeah, yeah. Sunday. It was shocking. I, I'd been looking for one. Number to 100, the purple is. Um, that's another one. Oddly, I have two reds, which is number to 25. I didn't have the purple to 100. And then there's the green to 250. So I, uh, I honestly, I just had these on display, which were the, the, the green and the red, just for people to see. And again, there, there's some that on the red, especially some people never seen. And a guy left the St. Louis show and he went from Orlando gardens, which is in, in, in St. Louis city. And he went back over to Fenton and came back like an hour later with the purple for me and just cut me just like a real sweetheart deal on. <clears throat> and then all the finest sets, the tops Chrome where it started in 96 and the refractors, you know, Fleer Brilliance is a hot one. Um, an underrated set you don't hear about a lot is the uh, 98 Donruss prize collection sets. Um, they, those are outstanding cards that have the refractor look, and they're maybe shinier than some refractor looks. Those are outstanding. With the Fleer Brilliance, he doesn't. Does he have one of the 24 karat cards? Yeah, he does. He's got a 24 karat. Um, that matches this one. I, this one's out of 99, which mm -hmm. is just the you know the basic gold version of it. Um, but he does have the 24 karat. That's it. That's like I've got, I'm missing like three really good ones, and I'm missing the the 24 karat. So if anyone has a lead, please let me know. And then I know where any are. No, I don't know where any of those are. I know where plenty of the 98 um, now and then are for essential credentials, but I don't know on the 24 karat gold right now. So, and that's both sort of one of the blessings of collecting someone like Langford is that. Like you said before, if you had a Barry Bonds collection that was as vast and diverse as your Langford collection, it would be worth millions, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Which means that you can grab Langford cards when you want and it won't break your bank account. But at right. the same time, when that card came out, if someone got one, they would think, oh, Ray Langford. Yes. Right? No, they wouldn't think, <laughs> they wouldn't have the same reaction they had when if it was a Mark McGuire or a Griffey or somebody That's else. Right. So you know that those cards have to be somewhere, but at the same time, you know that there were some who, that may have just been discarded. There might be, or they're in boxes, you know, even though they were rare, um, the numbering stuff wasn't fully understood yet. I mean, I opened some packs myself in the nineties and, you know, I didn't know what was really rare and which ones were really numbered. Uh, there wasn't as much knowledge and you're right. It was more, who's the player, who's the team and, oh, it's Ray Linkford. I might move it aside. So 
they, they may be discarded and very few. There's 24 of that one we're talking about with the Flare Brilliance, 24 karat gold. And there may not be really a handful only that are actually still out there. All right, so if you are listening to this and if you have a lead on that 24 karat gold Langford. Oh my gosh, let me know. And 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 today I had that lost FedEx package and I was telling my friend on Instagram, uh, Gucci Mac, a couple of days ago about my, my missing FedEx package because it had a lot of dealer inventory in it, Griffey rookies, but it, it was stuff that's fully replaceable and it was insured from PSA. So I, I would have got an insurance payout, but... I wasn't upset about that. I was upset more because I had two rare ones in it um, of Ray Langford. So I had a, a 98 Fleer Vintage 63 Classic, which are numbered to 63. Uh, it's the only one I've got, only one I've really had a chance to buy. And then I had a um, Skybox Thunder from 99 Super Rave, numbered to 25. So if those had not, but they came in today, FedEx just came out of nowhere today after it being pending and they couldn't locate it when I called them. Um, for almost two weeks, but then it just showed up at the door today. I got to text at work and I was like, oh my gosh, God is good. You know, it was, it was so frustrating the last few days, wondering if I'd, if I'd ever see those really rare Ray Langfords again. I have never interviewed anyone for this podcast and experienced as much FOMO as I'm getting right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is insane. These are, these are some cards that I did not even know existed before you were showing. I love it. That's what I saw. I saw how much People who are even, again, long-term collectors, just by putting a few out on display, I saw them be like, man, I didn't know that existed. I didn't know that image was like that. I had a guy when he saw the the 98 Linkford PMG with the arch, he's like, I'm never going to be able to buy that PMG, but I'm going to buy the base version right now. He literally got on eBay in front of me and bought it for a buck on on eBay, you know, just because it has the arch in it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people had never seen the Star Rubies or some of the Crusade sets. I mean, there's there's a lot of great sets from the 90s. And I know it gets a little love here and there, and then people forget about it again. And then you'll see it getting the love again. But there is just so much cool stuff that really influenced today's world and, and sports cards for today. I mean, they keep redoing a lot of them. Like Top's Finest every year is like a, a redo of something from the 90s. Crusade, Panini's done. They put Tom Brady in, Cru- in Crusade designs and things. They, they keep redoing it because it's really just the best era of sports cards, and it was just revolutionary. Sure. I want to get back to the the cost just a little bit because you you collect, you mentioned Bryce Harper, yep. Albert Pujols, Ricky Henderson, who's just in the last five years, his prices have gone way up, Ricky yeah. Henderson has. His people have started to really appreciate what he's done. What kind of freedom does it give you to collect someone like Ray Langford, knowing that although prices might be a little bit, they're not going to reach the levels of some of those other players who you PC? It's an unbelievable freedom. And that's why I encourage people, if you're passionate about collecting and you, you don't want to break the bank and you want to kind of do it strategically over time, there's a lot of flexibility in doing it. And you can get Ray Langford Grail cards. Now, because of the scarcity and the popularity of some of the sets, there are going to be some of a player like Ray Linkford. You're going to probably spend a few hundred dollars on at some point, but you're never really going to have to worry about a five figure card from my experience, not really even many four figure cards um, to collect and PC another player of the era. You know, we talked about Griffey and that's sort of the, the top of the mountain, but yeah, Ricky Henderson's gotten a lot of love, great player who played across a lot of eras who, you know, dipped into all of the sets we're talking about, even though it was in the, the latter years of his career. 
Uh, if you want to collect him, several of his cards and Tony Gwynn and others, they're, they're very, very expensive cards at times in some of these rare sets that we're discussing. But there is a great freedom. Uh, you know, I collect Griffey a little, but on my budget, I, I couldn't have this set, as I said earlier, this collection that I've got. And it's so cool to be able to say, you know, I, I knew some of these cars existed as a kid. I've found a few sets that like missed my radar, maybe weren't showcased in Beckett magazine as a kid. So it's fun finding new things as I've gotten older. I don't think there's many I haven't found at this point from back in the era with all the information and research out there. But it really is fun to have like 75 saved eBay searches on. And then when you get that, that alert finally after one maybe been looking for the excitement behind trying to, to jump on there. There are a few other Ray Langford collectors, of course. Um, none as big as the Ray Langford collection. So we are really the, the museum of his cards, if you will. Um, I say we, it's me and my kids. I, I, try to make, I try to make them be a part of it as much as possible. But, um, you know, we, we really enjoy it and being able to locate some of his cards and, and kind of house them together in the collection that, that I've accumulated. It's it's really a rewarding feeling as a collector. You know, and I think what's really refreshing to hear as well is that you are, you're a dealer, you buy, you sell, you trade, all those things. But it seems like so much of your greatest satisfaction comes from super collecting this just sort of semi-collectible type of player yep. where the value, the financial value is less important than the sentimental value. Yeah, you're spot on on that. Um, it's... When, when money goes into Ray Langford, it, it doesn't come back. Um, so it's it's different than buying other cards that you might say, I'm going to hold for a few years. But you're right. I, I'm a dealer. I I mostly do it for, for fun. And sure, you can make a little money here and there in, in dealing cards. Um, but I mostly do it for fun. It's a great opportunity to take my kids out. They each have different things they deal in. I've got a son that deals in Pokemon cards. I've got a daughter that sells soccer cards. And they have fun with it. It's great business practice for them to understand, you know, you buying and selling and value to things. And, and more importantly, even, you know, the experience of a child to, to look someone in the eyes across the table and not be on a phone or a tablet or, you know, the video conference like we are now. We're, we're on this out of necessity. I think we would both talk in person if we saw each other. But so many kids, they're so nervous to talk out in a public setting to somebody that's not somebody they know directly and and you shouldn't talk to strangers kids if you're a kid watching that's that's not what i mean but if you're if you're out and about and so many so many kids i see are nervous to to talk so it's a good opportunity to get my kids experience with with talking to people and and seeing the value and and having some i'm not going to call it an asset per se but a commodity something that you have in front of you that somebody may have an interest in and my daughter likes to be a sleuth and try to run around finding any soccer cards the moment she can find it at a show we go to to try to be like one of the only people there with soccer cards. So she she's understanding the scarcity of if someone walks in looking for soccer cards, she kind of wants to be the one that they, they go to. And my son kind of does the same with Pokemon cards. Um, but it, it really is rewarding to be able to have a super collection that I love, you know, more than anything, but then also have that other side that you know, getting to know people in, in the hobby as a dealer. And then that feeds back into my collection. You know, I, I have multiple dealer friends that I've met only through card shows and, and online and in person. And then they're out there as little soldiers for the Ray Langford collection. Um, 
some of the bigger, you know, car dealers, guys in their 20s, much younger than guys like you and I, now they not only know Ray Langford, but they're at the national running me down because they found something, you know, it's, it's, it's outstanding to have that type of network. And that's what's really helped to grow my collection more than anything. That's great. So we're winding down on time. I do just have two last questions I want to ask. One is, is do you have any cards of Ray Langford in a Padres uniform? I, I hate to admit it, but I do. Um, that, that was a hard era when he got traded. Um, I hated it. He got Woody Williams. The Cardinals got Woody Williams in return, which helped the Cardinals get to the playoffs kind of twice by having Woody Williams. So I hated that era, but there are a couple of cool Padres cards that I have got. And I, I, uh, I like them, but they're not nearly as cool. There's something about it that just looks off. It's like Willie McGee with Oakland. You know, oh it doesn't. Gosh. It's not right. But then Langford returned, right? He returned to St. Louis at the end. He, he did. And then we got the weird number 12 and a few images because he wore 12 because Reggie Sanders had number 16 there in 2004. So he, I don't know why, because Reggie was a new player. I, I never understood it then why they wouldn't have given it back to a legend. But I just think Ray was just so like never fully respected. And then McGuire overshadowed. He had Ozzy overshadow him for years, which is a notable Hall of Famer. And he had McGuire overshadowing him, which McGuire saved baseball. And, and so, so they say baseball. So you understand it. And then they went right into Pujols and winning and, and having great teams competing every year. So Langford's career as a, as a player was overshadowed. I, I think most teams, if they had someone like Langford come back like that, they would have made sure he got his number 16. Um, but it didn't. So you got the number 12 and a few images here and there. Not many because there weren't a few a bunch of his cards, but then Panini released some of them recently. And one of them, he has 12, the others, he has 16. So, you know, he was part of that, that, that say that trio came up together, that Langford, Bernard Gilkey, Todd Zeal, right. They came up together and just didn't have a lot of success. And Joe Torrey, before he was the New York Yankees legendary manager, didn't have a lot of success with St. Louis managing. And maybe that's one reason why Langford, you know, the fans appreciate him, but the organization, didn't for a while, but now he's in the Hall of Fame. And so that's right. New new ownership group as well as part of that, right in the middle of, of his peak, you know. So then the new owners were focused on, like you said, Tory was gone. Then you you replace that Hall of who ended up being a Hall of Fame manager with LaRusa, who obviously was another Hall of Fame manager, and then winding down Ozzy's career and then bringing him McGuire a year later after Ozzy left. And if, if you went to Cardinal Baseball like 98, 99, especially. You didn't care if they won or lost. You wanted to see McGuire at a home run. Now, hard, hardcore guys like you and I, we wanted to see wins. But as a, for the most part, the fan base, if McGuire hit a home run, you were happy. That's all you talked about the next day at the, the water cooler, if you will, back yeah. then. So last question. When you are set up at shows uh, in St. Louis, around St. Louis, and just over the border in Illinois, over the, over the Mississippi, and you've got some of your – your Langford cards out just for show. What do people say to that? What, what are their people's reactions to seeing some of those, those rare Ray Langford cards? Really a variety of, of things. Some people walk up, they don't maybe know me in any capacity and they see the cards and they're, they're like, how much is that one? You know, they, they start pricing. I'm like, well, sorry, these, these, these two rows aren't for sale. And I can't explain it to them. 
Um, but a lot of people are just so wild to see them, you know, kind of like I was saying in person, some people have never seen a precious metal gems card in person, even if they've been to a lot of card shows or they've never seen star rubies or didn't know it exists. It's a big educational thing. It turns into really big conversations sometimes. Um, it wows people to see them all together. Uh, the other day when I had them out, it inspired one guy to start a Griffey set registry. Didn't even know the PSA set registries were a thing. So it inspired that. Um, you know, I was inspired originally. I had a lot of Langford cards and again, I, they weren't for sale. So I was like, did they fit in as much with my dealer Instagram page? But, uh, a guy named John, the Roland collection on Instagram kind of inspired me to start the Ray Langford collection, you know, as a separate Instagram page. And then I think a couple others maybe have done something similar as a result, but it, it's, it's really just a fun conversation when, when they see them and then an education and then. They're Googling, they're checking eBay, they're looking for their player, hearing about their team or what their 90s memory was of their certain player. But it, it's amazing how sentimental it can make people. And baseball's like that in general. You know, when you start talking about baseball, Dave, with someone who's another baseball guy, you know as well as I do, we could sit here and name three or four names and probably talk just about that name connected to that player and that player and that team. And it's just amazing the conversations that it really leads to and, and just the knowledge opportunity that, that it has. I encourage other people to do it. Um, I posted that the other day that just by having them out, I found a purple crusade that I had never got from 98. Um, and I think others could maybe see that as well. When people see how much you, you really are a true collector and, and you, you really respect a certain player or a certain set or era, I think it makes people more comfortable sometimes with selling some of their rare cards to you at that point. Derek, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Tell people one more time where they can find you on social. Absolutely. I'm a little older, so I really only have Instagram. I'm not crazy old, but I really only have Instagram because I understand it somewhat now. So you can find me at ING Select or I think it's ING underscore Select or at Ray Linkford Collection. If you get on Instagram and type in Ray Linkford, you can probably find me pretty easily. Um, but I encourage you to reach out if you got Ray Langford cards, if you just want to talk about the hobby. Always happy to talk. I love the random DMs I get and the random memories people talk about. And um, you know, look forward to this time with you, Dave. I, this was fun. Um, enjoyed talking a little more with you. And you know, collecting's fun. And I encourage people to really enjoy that aspect of the hobby, whether you're a dealer or just a collector or whatever you are in the sports card collectible world. Just uh, do something that makes you smile and have fun. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be crazy expensive. Derek, thanks. Take care. All right. You too, Dave. <laughs>